Oh, yeah. That makes you sound sexy. I like that. Well, that's way better. I think it sounds like it did last time, so that's good. I think it sounds better. Boom. Because of compressors. Yeah. Do you want a backup beer real quick? Yeah. I'm going to be here a minute. Henry. Yes. I had a dream about the podcast last night. I I'm grinning. I can't even I'm speechless. I, I don't know what to hear. I don't know what to think it's, of this. It it wasn't like the most vivid dream and it, you know, it didn't um nothing crazy happened or anything, but you lived in a convent. It was like an old retired convent turned into like a cool like loft kind of studio thing when does the dream part start yeah right and i um i was like i've been here before it was one of those type of dreams definitely been there before and i was like oh yeah this is just like henry's place no big deal i didn't think about like this place we're in now you know and uh and that was it and you know the funny thing about that dream was it's kind of like do you wait so wait what do you mean the funny thing about what happened what 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 happened we were just there we were just chilling so yeah so i'm getting to it so like the funny thing about it is all the all dreams I have about things like a like playing a show or doing a podcast or anything, when it's coming up, we never actually do it in the dream. We always are trying to get there. No, you always wake up before that. Totally. So you know we're just setting up mics and like, you know I think I think like people kept coming in like there was another family that lived there or something like that like some, you know like a mom and some kids. It was very strange. We all just and you were like oh don't worry about them they're just like they live in here too. Well, all right. I mean we've got our first hashtag of the episode hashtag hunk dreams. Someone out there who knows all the ins and outs of what all the dream symbolism yeah. means. Why a convent? We've got that covered. I wonder. I think it's the 14 years of Catholic school. Oh, I should be not rude and yeah. silence my cell phone. Rule number one. I think it could be the hardwood floors. They had the same floors. That's what I recognize. I think it is, man. I think nice and rickety. The, the screws are kind of, or screws. Nails are, are coming up a bit over there. I've hammered those down, that's tamped you, them down a couple times. That's what you want, man. I actually have a brand new pair of socks on today, and I'd like to talk about that too. Oh, um, wow. They have they have guitars on them. And it's it's actually, if you look, it's a long scale. It's kind it's of a like two a, string, but there's six, there, I see two strings on the, on the that's right. neck, but there are six yeah. tuners. So you have to wonder. So maybe it's like two courses of three strings each. That's what I was thinking, like, uh, like they're just close together. Dude, what's the Cheap Tricks bass player name who plays those 12-string basses Man, with the, couldn't tell with all the stuff? Yeah. But they're like four-string, but each one's three strings. Pretty the guy sick. from uh, Presidency of the United States of America. Pusa, bro? Yeah, Pusa's sweet. Uh, <laughs> we were just talking about this the other day. They, not we, I wasn't. No, not me and you. I was with some other random people, and they're just... The guy, he had a two-string bass. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the guitar player, too, but he played he like two a three-string three guitar, yeah. yeah. I mean, what else do you need the other ones for? He's anyways? like, I'm cool. We'll just, <laughs> we'll just do this, you know. Dude, what? so you've got guitars on your socks, but you also brought a guitar over today. I did. Um, what do we got? Uh, I acquired a early 60s uh, Gibson LGO or LG0, depending on how you like to pronounce it. Um, I think it's like a student model you know, version of that guitar. It's got the cross, not the cross bracing. It's got the, it's got the straight, straight bracing. Yeah. Straight bracing. So I guess that apparently like means it's like more of a student or lower level guitar, but I love it. It's a little, it's, it was stained. Um, dude, it looks so cool. Yeah. I don't, it's, it's really crazy that I even have it. Um, it's got, I'm, it's got a surprisingly thin neck. I, I, mm -hmm. I guess I just think 60s Gibsons and I think baseball bats, but yeah. no, that's, that's got a nice, a nice, thin profile to it yeah i love the neck and they they definitely like sanded it and like you know stained it it feels very like natural on it's the back got some the it's got some artwork on there too yeah so it's got some artwork um i don't know who did it it looks it looks really hippied out there's like some 
kind of tribally viney type of drawings on the front. It looks like could be some sort of like paint marker, something like that. They make those, right? Yeah, but it's so subtle. You almost don't see it. It almost kind of just looks yeah. like weird weathering or something going on. But then you get up close, you're like, this is a demon hand or whatever yeah, it is. It's got a demon hand on the back. Actually, it's more Ooh, like a new human band name, hand. demon hand. That's really good. Yeah. That's up there with Piss River. I, I'm still trying don't to remind me. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a close second. Uh, I, 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 I honestly sometimes think about giving up being a musician entirely just because I can't name my band Piss River. Or just name a band in general. It's hard to name a band. Yeah. It's really hard. Oh, unless like, you know, you're playing with a, you know, a guy who's like, maybe he writes all the songs. Maybe it's his name, you know, like a Dave Matthews situation, you know? Hey, I was, I was in a band with a, a dude's name as the thing at one point. Yeah. Tom, Tom Schrader and his ego. I know Tom Schrader. Yeah. Shout out to Tom Schrader. What's up, man? T-Bone. Um, yeah, it's, it's so, you know, or, or he could pick the band name. Like if Tom Schrader just wanted to, you know, call the band like his ego, that's his name. And he's like, this is the name guys. And you're like, you're either in the band or you aren't, yeah. but you're not like trying to have like five guys decide what the band name is going to be. That's, it's tough. How did Blaine, how did Blaine Fonda get the name? Blaine Fonda came out, uh, it was, I believe it was like a pen name for Mark in college. Oh, okay. And it was a similar situation. He was kind of like, yeah, we brought him, you know, Norm brought him in plume. as a singer. We were playing with a bunch of other guys and, you know, we couldn't really think of a name and he's like, well, how about Blaine Fonda? And we all thought it was super cool. So it stuck, man. It was very cool. It kind of fit like his personality too and everything. So. Dude, um, well, I wanna, I'm sorry. I want to talk a little bit more about that guitar. Oh yeah. Uh, this guitar over here. What, um, I really want to look at the back. Can I, when did you get it? Yeah. Go grab it. Um, I got it probably in like 2008 or nine. It's uh it's a smallish, smallish body. I don't know. I don't know exactly what you'd call that. It's probably comparable to like a concert size. Yeah. There's hands. There's, there are, there are hands in some sort of artistic fashion. Yeah. There's like, sort of connecting, there's like hands like connecting. Surreal Fingers are melting style. into each other. It's cool. I mean, I, I love everything about that guitar. I'll never buy another acoustic guitar because I don't really play guitar. The, the, the only questionable era, they should have quit while they were ahead and not drawn on the back of the headstock. Yeah. I feel like that was just an unnecessary that was an afterthought. move and they kind of lost sight of what was going yeah, on. Yeah, they did. It's straight. I got to give them credit. The line is very straight. That's true. That's a good point. The, the As is the neck. I mean, playing it earlier felt pretty good. I think it yeah. maybe could... Due to a, a little trust, little trusty adjustment, we yeah. just went through a nice, super dry winter here. Yeah, I think that's it. Was really this winter that killed it. I was a dummy, man. I left it out in the. Um, I like to leave all my guitars out. I don't put things in cases regularly because I feel like it's important to walk by them and play them, even if it's for like thirty seconds. Yeah, it's that's the catch twenty two. It's it's better to play, but keeping a guitar in the case with a humidifier is way that, yeah. better for it. I know, and but then I would just never play it. It would get under you know under a bed or something, and. Um, so this, this year I just started to notice as the weather got cold, it's, uh, it's lifting at the tailpiece, like the oh. bridge. So are you yeah. going to, are you going to try to do anything? To, yeah, to, I'm going to, ta- I'm going to take it in. So, well, short story about this guitar. When I got it, um, I got it on Craigslist and the guy like posted an ad. He's like, I'm, I'm throwing out a Gibson acoustic guitar, $20, $25. I'm. <laughs> dude i don't make this stuff up man how when was this it was, it was around it was right before i got the um i got the p bass that i was talking about last week dude i don't know when that was uh 2010 sorry okay, 2000. yeah so <laughs> and 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 actually the 75 that you have i also got in 2010 right okay. it was a big it's year all, for gear, it was a man. big year it's one of those things if you maybe. what do they say if you if you like think about it like make a dream board about shit it's, it's the secret this, it, so I, I read the secret in 2010 and then all these things came to me um so the guy posts and then it's like, I'm eating cereal, like Saturday morning, you know, you're staring at the, you know, just scrolling through Craigslist board and 25 bucks. And I call the guy and he answers and he's like, whatever, I'm, you know, I'm in like Roscoe village. If you can come now, you know, just 
come now and then like I'll, it's yours you know how, like, how long after he posted it do you think you saw it it was it was like i would always check the newest feed so yeah. i mean i probably refreshed it it was probably a matter of like five minutes right <sighs> not not even maybe and um i was the first person to call him i guess and i shot over there and he brings out this like moldy case like i could smell it coming up the stairs like this thing was just rotting and dude wh- have you ever noticed new case smell yeah what is what is that? It smells like guitar, it cen- guitar center, man. It's but yeah, it's like guitar oh, like, center. What but is worse. the smell? Yeah, it's it's like it smells like it's like it's almost like whatever synthetic bo. Foam. But it's like yeah, you just gotta let it. It's, and it takes a while. You've gotta let it like yeah. stink off for a bit. That sucks. Yeah. Um, remind me about that bo thing later because okay. I have a story about cases and bo later. So this is a a recurring segment now in the podcast. <laughs> stink stink talks. Yeah, stink talks. We can talk about that. Stink hunks. I'll probably you know digress back into it in some other episode if we don't come back to it today. But. So you got this old case. So anyways, this stinky. old case, and I'm like, this thing is totally beat. And he's like, yeah, I was just gonna like toss it out. Um, I don't even remember where he got it. He might have like moved into a house that had it that had like flood damage. Compare him to uh our friend Kyle, whatever. Yeah, Kyle, whatever. Yeah. This guy was probably like William, whatever, you know, and he's like, he's like, you know, he's just like a, he's just like a dad, you know, in Roscoe village with like a single family home. And I guess they moved in and like there was flood damage. So that's why the case was all destroyed. And I'm like, well, whatever, you know, a Gibson acoustic man for $25. Like, I don't care if it's like snapped in half. Dude, yeah. Any, any acoustic for $25 Honestly, some, right? some, at a certain point at some point. Yeah. So anyways, I, I opened the case and then I look at it and I'm like, okay, it's, you know, it's been staying dark. I wasn't expecting anything, but it wasn't snapped in half. It was, you know. So I try to obviously strum it and it's like, the strings are just like smashed against Clang. it. Like, I mean, like pre- you couldn't even like lift them off yeah. the frets. Um, and then the back of it was round, like, mm. you know, not like a good not, sign on not a flat a best, top guitar, but it was pretty round, man. It was, I like those, um, Spanish guitars, some of the round ones that they had, like the guitar ons. I don't something. know, but I'm, I, in my mind, I'm thinking of ovations. Yeah. Kind of, it was kind of bent out like an ovation in the back. Yeah. yeah. Don't want that one. in your sixties Gibson typically. No. I have a real problem with ovations, man. The, the What's bo- your real problem? The back is plastic, right? Yeah. Have you ever played one sitting down? Oh, of course. It yeah. slides. It slides right off, baby. That's so dumb. <laughs> that's they a just, feature. That's they just not a, never that's tested not a bug. It. It's hilarious. Yeah, people love that. Yeah, why wouldn't you want your guitar <laughs> to constantly be falling it's off? It's called the ovation that? slide, I no, think. No, man. It, I, an old, I was always kind of a, a snob against ovations and applause and all that stuff. But I actually an old roommate, cool. when I lived in that son's house... Mm-hmm. He had, uh, I don't, I don't remember what year, but I think it was a seventies. It was an old ovation and that thing sounded awesome. I loved playing that guitar and it was, and it was great. Cause it was just, after a little while, I was like, Hey, you're done playing. Cause I'm falling off your lap now. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of tells you when it's had enough. Yeah. You know, um, it's a built in time. No, the old ones are cool. They made a cool bass a long time ago too. Really? I forget the name of it now. Um, one day we'll have a computer. We that. can look stuff up while we talk. Nah. About it, but yeah, I know it's kind Josh Homme played or played at least their electrics for a while. Oh, really? They're kind of. I don't of, think I've ever seen them. They're sort of somewhere in that Les Paul Junior-y type thing okay. that people were doing, but also kind of looked like the lawsuit Ibanez guitars of the time, like the artist. Well, I guess that's post lawsuit, but yeah, uh, it, you know, people dig them. Cool headstocks though. I'll I'll give I will I will give the headstock shape too. Yeah, I can't visualize like it almost kind of has like a oh, hammerhead shark vibe, but yeah, like rounded off like very an axe or organic something. Organic looking, right? Yeah, I don't know. I've always kind of I've always I feel like headstocks are so easy to mess up. I almost hate every headstock design, but for some reason that one has been appealing to me. I love when people are like, I just I'm designing like a custom you know guitar, and they had they design the headstock. And it's, it just never turns out. It's always out the worst. Kind. What's your, do you have a favorite, what's your favorite headstock? I mean, you know, it's a Fender, obviously. But which one? 
Oh, well, there have been many, many yeah, heroes. You know, I hated the Telecaster headstock for a long Interesting. time. I, I was like, I couldn't stand it because I love strats. I grew up with like, you know, seeing strats on yeah. TV. And uh, yeah, that something about it, I was just like, it just doesn't look right. Now that I know how Telecasters and like sound and how cool they are, then obviously you change over time. But, sure. Um, Dude, the 70s. What's yours? The 70s Fender Strat headstock is undeniable. Is that the big cool. one? That's the, the big fat one. I'm like the guitars people don't typically like, but Hendrix played one. Yeah. With like the bullet truss rod coming out too. I feel like that's always kind of, since I was a, a, a child, that's been kind of like the, like if I had like a clip art image of a guitar in my yes. mind, that headstock would be on it. Yeah. hundred percent with the big lettering too. Like the if you're big, looking at yeah, exactly. yeah, just the shape, but no, I honestly, per, my favorite is the, the open book Gibson headstock. Yeah. That, that's just such an elegant, wonderful design. Yeah. Is that where it's like rounded at the top? Kind yeah. It, kind of, it comes to a point down in the middle and then it rounds up and back up and flares you can just look at a picture which one's the lgo it. have here that's a that's a gibson i mean you can't see because you've got the okay here's another thing i hate is that the open door? head clip-on tuners i think they are the scourge of the guitar world i i get their functionality and mm -hmm. why they're useful and i obviously own one because you're using it right yeah. now but i also feel a little sick to my stomach every time i see one on a guitar headstock yeah it's uh let's make sure that doesn't fall over it's I don't know. They, you kind of need them. I mean, I don't know what else I would tune. We, how long did we live without them? I know, but I like to be, to be exact. You got to keep with the times. Yeah, man. It no, looks, obviously I get it. I, I have hate, one, but uh, I also actually hate it. How, how they look when they're clipped on. It yeah. looks like, like people who do shows with it clipped on. Come on, get your shit together. And, and we're talking about headstock design and the beauty and grace in the Gibson open book design Ruins and then it. you've got the clip right on the top you can't even see it anymore it just looks like a weird paddle shape now and and it's red and it's ugly growth and, coming off of it but you know it works because uh it's there yeah yeah it does work um i would say i exclusively use those at home just because like they're laying around you know i wouldn't i would i would be upset if you were used trying to use them in the practice space I'd be oh like, no get that i don't watch well, so here. Man, I tried to use one on stage not too long ago. Oh, it won't work. It didn't it's work. It's too loud. And I I was like freaked out, man. I'm like, I don't know. And if, if you guys are listening, you were at that show, you might have seen me get a little flustered. Because <laughs> we're there like, next song. And I'm like standing like trying to tune. And then you go way out of tune, you know, then you like turn it too far. Yeah, oh my God, so I'm going to do some harmonics. Just give yeah, me a second. don't worry. Just uh, drummer, play something, you know, but it's always too loud to do that. So always get yourself a nice plug-in tuner. Um well, but that's it. But it's it's a real thing. That guitar doesn't have a pickup on it. Right. So, I mean, I I would just use my phone app. But again, that's not very useful on stage necessarily. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe you don't want to unless you're Neil Young and you've got a tech. Maybe you don't want to play a guitar like that on stage without a pickup in it. True confessions. I didn't. I forget always that there's a tuner. Like, there's so many tuner apps out there. Oh, on, my favorite. My favorite never... tuner. I've owned many different pedal tuners, rack tuners. My favorite is the Peterson app for my phone by peterson yeah they make the peterson's the the big name and strobe tuners yeah i mean currently and, and historically and they're it's just that app just it works so i think i know well the one you're talking about i paid probably 12 dollars for it 10 years ago or something wow. but it's still it's going great. strong yeah i guess i guess i don't trust the microphone on the phone to like pick it up but if, if you man if you stand by it like i stand by it i'll get out it's there i'll accurate. spend the 12 dollars right i now. love it yeah it's probably gone up in price actually peterson let's talk peterson let's hey talk. They're, they're actually a chicago chicago-based company we'll hit them somewhere up. in the burbs shout out to peterson tuners um what were we talking oh yeah so the back of this thing was bent out like an ovation right? oh we we're still talking about that, that is yeah did, we, big... did i rewind too far 
I don't, I don't know. All right. I don't know. But I do want to hear what happened. It was unplayable. So the case, you know, I get the thing home. I throw out the case like at a dumpster, you know, behind like the Home Depot or something. Like I'm like, I'm not even taking You're the not case. bringing that I'm not home. bringing it into my house, man. Who knows, you know. Um, but I bring the guitar and of course the guitar smells too. You know, it's like pure mildew. How's it not going to? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, I took it up to my guys at Rock and Roll Vintage and uh, they had an, they're in Lincoln Square. Um, they had their wonderful establishment. Yeah. Really nice guys. Heath over there is the owner. And, uh, they had a guy, Ben, who was like the head tech. I don't know if he still works there. I haven't been there in a while. Actually, I might have to go back and visit him if he's still there, but, um, did a crazy job, man. I mean, he, he put new bracing in, he straight, he flattened out the back somehow. They must've, I don't know, he treated it or something. Yeah, probably. Um, I mean, on a guitar that sold it, like I said, I, I think it's between a 60 and a 64. I don't know the exact year cause I don't think there's a serial number on it. Um, yeah, so the only thing it's, you know, it's got the, obviously the paint job. We'll put some pictures up too online. Um, it's got the paint job. And the then neck the, is absolutely ridiculous. It's the so, more I look it's at it. It's so stupid. <laughs> it's And then I think those tuner, like the holders are, those are original though. The, it looks like the, the, the one plates. Piece, the plates, yeah, the tuner plates. But maybe the keys are keys, replacements? The keys are definitely replacements, yeah. And they almost look like cheap, like Chinese keys or something. So man, for basically a little bit of web browsing and a couple hundred bucks, you got yourself. Yeah. An early sixties Gibson yeah, acoustic. The repair was the the repair was totally reasonable. I think it was under two hundred dollars for the repair. So for two twenty five. Yeah. And to have to like, you know, throw that case out was a oh. little out of my way. Throw it in the dumpster. And you've got a super sweet strap super sweet straps. Say yeah. That. that was just given to me by a buddy. Um it's an old I think it's an old ace strap from the sixties. Telling you guys, if if you have old old straps like those, like knit ones or the ace ones with the leather backing, those are super cool and they're super valuable. So hang on to those or sell them and get a few bucks because, you know, they're really, really cool. And then buy a soldier strap from Chicago because Absolutely. I think, don't they use, isn't it new old stock material yes. that they use, but they're like new construction. And I think and recycled seatbelt material too. Like I don't know. I've got, I've got one over there, but yeah. uh, it's, that's my, it's my favorite strap. Those are my serious straps. Like, yeah. you know, for all my bases, I use soldier. Oh, the best cool. One. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Both my PB. Soldier were, buds. Yeah. Soldier buds. Soldier hunks. Yeah. No, she's great over there. Um. Yeah, so that's that's the acoustic. We'll put a little soundbite in so you guys can check that Dude, out. Dude, you've been talking so much acoustic that I think I kind of want to talk about my acoustic. Let's effect. talk about it. So what do you got, Henry? I, I saw it like a couple times. Um, why, don't you, why don't you go grab it? I'll yeah, start, let me go I'll grab start, it so I'll we can look at it. talking about it. It's over on the, the old guitar boat over there. I uh, for Oh, man. For years, I think, probably more than anything else, I, I dreamed of owning an old Martin and, uh, you know, save my pennies and waited for the right one and after a couple misfires <clears throat> finally wound up with the one that i have right now that it's is a, cool man it is a 1976 martin d76 which is a super sort of weird model number they only made it in 1976 uh it celebrates the bicentennial of the united states because i i'm such a patriotic american <laughs> i had to have it it, uh, it's essentially kind of from everything I, I've read and can tell it's it seems like it's basically a d35 body with a d28 neck except instead of the normal dot inlays it has 13 stars for the 13 original colonies which it's is brilliant. super cool yeah. and then uh, inlaid into the headstock is a bald eagle goddamn bald eagle it is it's as American as it gets. I oh man I love it it's it's you know it's had some work done it had like a little a uh, crack repair on the top at one point. But otherwise, a, it's structurally nice. Is that a Brazilian rosewood neck or what is that fretboard? It, so the fretboard's ebony, um, but I believe that the bridge and the headstock 
uh, overlay are Brazilian rosewood from what wow. I've, the research I have done. It's, it's a three piece back, like a D35 would be, uh, solid top, obviously, uh, fully bound body. Uh, the neck is unbound and the headstock is unbound. And oh, I, I love that guitar so much. It, it came with a, what is that? I believe that's a rare earth, um, uh, Fishman, you know, passive came with up. that, came with that install, which that's, you know, uh, try not to hit your face with a microphone. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> but uh, the uh, that's been that I think that's maybe you know probably ten years old or something like that. It was probably the hot shit yeah. top of the line pickup at the time, and it's and it still sounds great. But it's you know there are some new things have come out, and I've thought about maybe experimenting with that. But otherwise, it's it's all original. It's got some really nice wear down here at the bottom too. Yeah, it's it's worn in perfectly. I've I mean after I got that guitar, I don't even remember. Maybe almost two years ago. I, I did nothing but play acoustic guitar. Like I didn't play electric guitar period for probably six months. It's beautiful. It's and and pretty soon after getting it, I sort of found my weird tuning that I play in all the time now. And that's basically lived in that. Yeah. It hasn't been in standard tuning in well over a year at least. What's that tuning? It's, it's a couple different ones, but the main one is C G C g c d i had to think about it all right does that have a name or is it just i don't think it has a name it probably i mean that's yeah it's some sort of like c suspended chord i think right that's beautiful man thing um it sounds great too like you've plugged it into your um the fender basement oh yeah that's a cool sound it sounded amazing yeah it's like this weird in between jangle acoustic kind of still kind of electric-y sounding thing just because it's an amp yeah yeah. It's 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 great. It kind of um I think it shines in finger picking and hybrid picking. I don't think it loves being really strummed really hard like like some sort of dreadnoughts you'd expect yeah. like a D28 it almost kind of collapses in on itself when you do that, but sure. anything up to the most vigorous strumming it it projects really well and it plays super cool up and super cool up and down the neck. I mean, I remember the, it has a really nice low tone to it. Like the bottom end is, is really, really Yeah, proud. the bass is really deep. I mean, the, that was that was a guitar that just, when I got it, I knew it had a bunch of songs in it. And and I mean, as you've, as you've heard, it, it does. And still hopefully many more to come. But that is a, what I would call a, you know, burning fire. Uh, if I could only save one or two guitars, that That's it would be hard to pass pass up on that one for sure and i got a sweet deal on it too um it was actually i bought that on reverb a dude i as soon as i heard about these guitars and i started researching them found mm-hmm. a couple available online way outside of my price did you range. try any other ones or before yeah oh, I've, I've i've owned a host of guitars the, the most recent one before this one was another old martin that i also got on reverb uh it was a seven nineteen seventy 1970 d35 which when it when I found the listing, it was an estate sale. They, you know, didn't know much about it. Had it listed for a low amount. I sent them an offer. They took it. It came, and it was in way worse condition than they had described. And I actually took it to Third Coast, who is, as far as I know, still the only vintage certified Martin repair shop in Chicago. And they, you know, were awesome. They did a free estimate. They're like, hey, here's all the stuff I need. Did it in front of me. Got the mirrors out, the whole shebang. Oh, cool. And it was going to be probably close to $1,000 at least in yeah. repairs. So I made the mistake of uh, developing a little bit of a relationship with the guitar over the weekend before I was able to bring uh, it into the shop. So I was like, oh, man, I don't know what to do. Like, Don't you hate that moment when you're bringing in a guitar to get repaired and you're just sweating because you're like, 
I don't know if this is going to be insanely expensive or if they're going to give you the news that they go, we can never well, actually. Oh live. man, absolutely. That anticipation is a little scary. I mean, these are, these are, we've talked about the sentimental attachment. We get to these yeah. things and, and unfortunately, even though I'd only had it for a few days, I played <laughs> it all weekend and even though it had issues, I kind of liked it. What was that again? A 70? It was a 1970 D35. Very cool. I'm, I mean, I'm such a, a Neil Young fan that yeah. I just like, have kind of always really wanted a D35. And, uh, so they said that, it would be about a thousand dollars. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do? So I went to the seller. They were like, I was like, listen, I'll split it with you. Like the repair cost is this, I'll do half of it. And then we'll just call it even. And they're like, no, so I don't know whatever happened to the guitar, but I sent it back. Reverb was super, super cool about it. They, you know, took care of everything, got my yeah. money right back. Very cool. Um, but yeah, that's, that's how I landed on this one. And, and, don't think i'd ever want to really give it up i mean i've done a lot of recording with it already responds really well to whatever i throw at it yeah um yeah why, what else would you need in an acoustic to actually go out and buy another one unless you just like were bored and wanted to buy one you know? yeah i do i do still lust over a small bodied martin like a single uh, double triple one well, i had that finger my friend guitars. sold you or not sold you but uh i showed you some pictures that my friend was selling uh what was it again it was like a 47 it was a 47 single aught 15 yeah pretty cool same dude that i bought the the gretch from right right yeah my right? buddy paul well, i still haven't actually met yeah he's um, a good guy <laughs> you just bought like almost two guitars from him though. yeah exactly <laughs> i just uh just remembered the modelo exists yeah Shout out to Modelo. Uh, this this podcast is not sponsored by Modelo, so thank you. I was just thinking about this the other day. So when I was in a jam band and like, well, I guess you could call us a jam band because we covered fish songs. We also yeah. played Weezer and okay Pearl Jam and oh cool our own songs. But um, there was a lot of fish. Don't get me a wrong. Lot, and what, did you you would jam out stuff too? Like you have to. I mean, you have to jam out stuff to be well, in a jam band. Well, by you can't jam out stuff, stuff, if you mean. The rest of the band just kind of plays for a while while I noodle guitar solos yeah, over the top that's of it. it. And yeah, we we did a whole lot of jamming. If someone else has a better definition, uh, let me know because yeah, that's well, that's what it was. But I was just thinking about this because when I was in it and when I played jams and when I listened to Fish actively mm -hmm. was well before I had ever done any experimentation with drugs. Hmm. How like what about that music? appealed to me as a sober <laughs> teenager like That's a i don't really good question like, like i i think back now and i'm just like i don't i don't know where that came like like i knew where it came from the neighborhood i grew up in there were a lot of potheads and sure deadheads and pop, fish fans but like i don't know man so, but you so you were you like you could put down like put down a fish record and just like listen to it a lot oh i owned Not spindles high. full of live bootlegs. fish show bootlegs. yeah everybody had to have bootlegs man i had burn cds yeah my buddy who was like the singer of our jam band had like a whole um binder you know those big binders with like you know 200 cds oh yeah all bootlegs like every single one it wasn't all fish but it was like string cheese side traps i, I bet nine. in my closet in there i have at least 100 cds worth of fish bootlegs at least you know what that i haven't been touched actually i don't know if they would even work to do cds stop working yeah they do i think they i mean unless you take really good care of them um no i think even even the most doesn't the the original ones like it'll deteriorate for yeah. sure we could start a business where we refurbish people's old cds i'm pretty sure that's a business that already started and ah. failed like 10 years ago dude all we have to do we'll we'll, we'll take we'll take all of your dvds and, and archive them for you <laughs> Does your computer even have a, a DVD drive anymore? My, my I've got to have an external. Like, yeah. I don't even have a thing on my, my really laptop. That's a really good point. So people don't, aren't listening to CDs. Do you think they'll make a comeback? 
No, I don't. Because they're yeah, right. because they deteriorate over time, and that's why. What if they somebody comes up with like a new urethane that's like you know? No, because that's it's it's not that's not why people buy records, right? Well, I don't think we meant to, but we started talking about jamming, yeah, and and playing a jam band, and that brings me to what I believe should be the main topic for this afternoon: how to not suck at a jam. That's. That's a wide And when topic. I say a jam, I don't just mean a jam band. I mean, sometimes you're just going to be like, hey, musician friends, want to get in a room and, and make some noise? Yeah. How do you not suck when you do that? Man, well, first I think, you, wow, there's a lot to this. Have you ever had any, have you, have you had any interesting jams that you can I'm, think of? I mean, we had a super jam not too long ago. We had a, we had a super jam. Uh and I can't remember if we talked about this, um, but anyways, I'll talk about it anyways. Wait, I want to tell a story before we get to Please this. Do. I totally just remember that before we get too far away from fish. That's what this show's all about. Just, we got to keep spitballing here. So I, years, years after I told, mentioned my sober fish days, my friend, back then, my friends and I were real into Slurpees. Like this was just a thing. There were three 7-Elevens in the neighborhood. We knew which ones had which flavors, which ones had the better machines. Like this was just a thing. They're 99 cents drink a lot of slurpees mm -hmm. years later my dad tells me that back then he was convinced that when i said we're going for slurpees that was code for us we're gonna go get stoned oh but we were sober as, <laughs> as a bird listening to fish listening to fish drinking slurpees so you were getting well you're getting high on sugar i think that's what you're doing a little bit kid, of sugar right? high yeah i mean where i was like 16. 14 15 16 yeah. somewhere in there yeah man yeah i think that's uh that's getting that's slurpees he was you were, just convinced was code and it wasn't we were just drinking a lot of slurpees. that's a good parent for you they're always thinking you know thinking the worst kind of stuff. <laughs> exactly. i know you're out getting high again okay we can go back to it now let's oh. talk about how to not suck at a jam okay when i think about how to not suck at a jam i think it sort of falls into two main areas how to not suck with your instrument and and how to not suck as a as a dude or a gal at a jam yeah agreed and instrument i think is the easier part but when i say that i mean if you're going to play guitar at a jam session don't bring a guitar that you haven't played in six months and you don't know if it's the electronics aren't working yeah. if it's got dead old horrible strings that won't stay in tune just to back up you are talking about if you're just showing up with some buddies that maybe you haven't played with a lot or played jam with before not like your band though like if it's your band not your not your band this is how to not suck at a jam yes you know like yep. you're gonna get together with a collection of folks and mm -hmm. you're gonna play some music and you haven't maybe none of you have ever even played together before maybe maybe you're like feeling some people out to maybe start a band together or whatever you don't want to suck so bring you go to bring that. reliable gear is definitely rule number one rule number one show up with something you know it works you know how to you know how to use it like you know don't don't show up with a crazy super multi-effects board that you've never used before and then expect to be able to get all the amazing sounds right away like mm -hmm. take take this and this is and this is an instance of my favorite my favorite piece of advice or I guess I don't even know if this is advice. It's more of just kind of an idiom that I learned playing high school football. And that was, it's easier to keep up than to catch up. So that means like, if you're going to be playing this guitar, play, pay attention to it every day or every other day or whenever you're playing it, don't like 
throw it back in the case all covered and snot and blood and expect it to work right the next time you pick it up actually maintain it show know your cables work yeah if you're using a tube amp maybe take a chopstick tap those tubes see if they're microphonic make sure they work you maybe don't want, bring you just, some extra stuff like don't be the guy who's like got to borrow something from somebody if your cable goes out yeah exactly i mean that happens it does and, and if you bring extra that's cool then you can be the hero and save the day but right. try not try not to do that but you know sometimes you're going to show up to a situation and but just and, test your shit and you're going to use somebody's back line you're going to yeah. maybe you're going to use somebody else's amp that's a pretty common thing yeah a good way to guarantee that you're going to sound the way you want to sound is if you have a small little pedal board or something like that with some some of your sort of core sounds like your distortion or overdrive or whatever things that you know are going to work on any amp so you can kind of get your sound to show up with like bring that with you and make sure it's working and the cables are working and you have power and batteries and the things that you need for it to work yeah yeah you take it seriously also dude like tune up tune up bro Oh man! Even if you have to use a even if tuner. you have to use a clip-on tuner. Oh, there, man. I'm. I feel like I'm. I'm pretty sensitive to things being out of pitch, and it makes me feel horrible and and, and all that sort of stuff. And I know that there are, are people way more sensitive sensitive to it to me than me. But man, I if I'm if I'm playing with other people and and we are even a little bit out of tune from each other, it just completely destroys it for me and it's not easy to like tell somebody like hey man you're out of tune i mean you can but like you have to you what, don't want you to. know what i do i just say hey let's have, let's everybody just tune like, Ooh, like or, or or say like hey i think i i was hearing something i think i might be a little out let's all just make sure no and then the dude's like not tuned. he's like no i'm in tune oh i'm perfectly in tune bro <laughs> there's always that guy right hopefully not Anything? Do we did we miss anything with the making sure your instruments? Um, just you know, be prepared, um, but don't bring too much craziness either. You know. Yeah, keep it simple for yeah. sure. Use use the things that you like. Have some fun stuff that is, is going to be interesting for everybody. But also, yeah, don't bring the whole refrigerator full of rack gear. Yeah, don't make your band like, or even like the guys you're going to play with like meet you there and like help you carry all that stuff, man. Just bring like you know, bring a small amp. You know, you don't have to go crazy. So so you've got. We're all we're in the we're in the room where this this new jam is about to happen. Everybody's gear is all good. Like, what do you as an as a musician and a bass player? What like what what are you looking for and from others when you're jamming? What are some of the things that are important to you? Yeah, it's funny, you know, because well, as a bass player specifically, and this goes with everybody, but I think you have to listen to everybody. Is the big that's the big thing, that's right? It. Listening that's when you one, play, man. that's that's all you have to do. But as a as a bassist, if I could give advice, I guess for that i always try to let the guitar player or somebody start something you know before i'm just going to jump in so you take a little bit of a kind of backseat role to start absolutely and 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 you were there at the super jam when someone was like you know dave play a baseline and i was like oh shit you know so and in fact that might be advice to have to something to bring to the jam is you know i probably should have practiced a little bit maybe just had a couple in my back pocket you know you, you know you might not reps. have the time i might it yeah. might be an off the cuff thing but sure. if, if it it wouldn't hurt yeah if you've got a jam coming up you know about in the next day or two maybe think like hey what are like two or three riffs that i've got recorded in my voice memos yeah. at that might be fun to jam with some or even people. a super easy cover that everybody can like jump on and play That's yeah fun, especially you know? if you know like the vibe of the room or yeah. whatever or you could be like us and our stupid friends and keep going into reggae jams for some reason i don't know why we couldn't stop oh. the reggae um we were playing with two experienced drummers and i don't know what 
what the reggae was all about. I think I, it could have been me, man. It could have been the bass. I don't think so. <laughs> but then, but then Mark just busted out the most amazing reggae vocals oh, I might have ever heard. In I my was life. so pissed. Okay, so I was torn between trying to record it on my iPhone, oh, but then I would have had to stop playing for yeah. a second, and then I didn't want everyone this to is, stop playing. Bro, this is why you need a looper pedal because then you could have just looped your one four five I, progression and we have to talk about this as a serious problem i have like the next purchase i need to make is just a looper pedal and yeah. i think they're so important because you can write a whole song on a looper pedal you know that too that, you, that's cool but for me i'm just saying to get an idea down really quickly just jamming something having having something to jam and build on is just so much fun for me yeah. I, I yeah i mean you know i've got a looper on my board i've yeah. got built one built into the kemper right next to me here i i use looping all the time it's a skill and it takes a little while to get yeah. used to it and some pedals are easier to use than others but man having one make once you have one it's kind of hard to not have one yeah so that was so we were in this reggae jam and it was like the coolest thing i've ever heard mark sounding like the guy from Sublime <laughs> or something. Yeah, like, it was it was so fun oh we didn't we didn't tell we had two drummers playing at the same time no you did you okay did tell we did tell people um so there were two drummers i'll tell them again anyways and we had three guitar players at one point and it was just awesome, man. So yeah, it's, it's hard to stop. So that's another thing. Maybe like get your phone ready in case you do think you might come up with a cool idea. I was thinking about this and I want to hear what your, your thoughts are. What's, what do you think the importance of music theory is in a jam session? Do you, hmm. do you think that it's important to have theory knowledge to be able to go into a jam with other people? No. Uh, it's great to know. Mm -hmm. I think there's a fine line. I'm, you know, I don't have like a ton of theory. I, you know, I took music theory in college and probably got like a C. Um, other than that, you know, I'm self-taught and I, all my experiences come from playing with people and jamming and playing with random strangers and all that. And I think the thing is it's, it's right down the middle, right? So it's like, you want, you want to know music theory. Somebody's like, you know, this one's in C minor or whatever. You want to know like where that scale is. Because it's a language that, right. that you can communicate. So that is important. Um, but it's also important to not get stuck in that. I played with people who only know music theory and they don't know how to jam. They don't know how to listen to everybody else or maybe get in a groove or maybe they're working too hard to like work on that, you know, in that key or on that scale. And everybody else has already like gone off on, you know, onto another plane. So that, no, I feel you, man. Right I feel, I, I, I kind of feel right down the middle too. I, I, but maybe leaning more towards thinking that it is important mm -hmm. because I think if I went into a situation with a drummer and I couldn't say, you know, this is a four, four beat. Yeah. And, and then, and they wouldn't know what that is. I think that could, that could be a problem. You can, you can pantomime and tell them mm -hmm. kick snare, kick snare. Or if I were to say to you like, Hey, you know, this is whatever CGA or something. Yeah. And you didn't at least know where to kind of find those on the fretboard. Oh yeah. That would be, that would be really, really tough. Well, that's the extent of what I'm actually with... be able to jam. Yeah. Cause then like, I mean, some people are purely ear based and they're, if you can do that, that's amazing. In my experience, I've, I know having that just even the smallest bit of theory knowledge to be able to communicate is it really just shortens the process. Yeah. Learn, well, music. you know, like if you're a bassist or, you know, like learn your, you know, learn your notes up and down the neck. I mean, that's, you know, you have to, at have least, to I, I mean, at least like the E and the A string, you know, get the, yeah. like, the bottom two. And then, cause then they start to repeat and it's a little yeah. bit easier. I think that's, what's kept me around so long. I was able to learn that at, you know, an early start. Like, and and here's the thing though. If you, if you don't, if you don't have that theory, not theory knowledge, just look at the dude or gal that you're playing with. Look at their hands. Yeah. That's a big one. 
usually if you're in a jam, you're going to be playing some simpler bar chordy things. And if you can figure out where the root note is, then mm -hmm. you can usually kind of figure out what's going on. And, and just looking at positions is a way to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Have we talked a little bit about having like this vocabulary or vocabulary of licks or ideas that you bring in but also there's a i think theory wise there are a couple things that knowing like knowing what a one four five is mm -hmm. knowing what that means yeah it's helpful makes things a lot faster and also it, it helps you when creating ideas because if you're just like jamming on a g and you know one four five the four is a c chord mm -hmm. well then okay well now i know after four bar four bars in this jam to keep it interesting so we're not just playing one chord the whole time yeah like, i know the next thing that i can go to that like everybody will probably be able to follow along with and figure out yeah yeah that's a tricky one right because if you don't and and don't be afraid like you know we're, we're talking a little theory here but if if you feel like you don't know as much don't don't let that stop you from going out and playing um you know, I just, you know, learn, learn the notes on the board and, and at least like stay on one. If you just have to stay on the C for the song and it, let it, let the band move around it, it might sound weird at points, but at least, you know, you're keeping in time and you're, and you're part of the jam. So it, it wouldn't be as bad as, you know, just trying to like, if you really don't know what you're, you know, if you're trying to follow sometimes it's, it's harder and you're, you're almost like a step behind everybody else. That can be really, really tricky to get back. Dude, that's just, that's just good jam etiquette right yeah, there. Yeah. I would say also good jam etiquette is turn it down a little bit oh man because while we all know how fun it is to play your fuzz pedal all the way up it can also make it so that no one else can hear themselves and that is a problem for a jam yeah yeah don't be the loudest guy in the room Boy. unless you're the drummer because sometimes you just have well that's to be. yeah everybody's got to keep up with the drummer and you know but and and then again you know it's fun to, to crank it if, if you if it's your buddies you know like the super jam was probably the loudest thing i've played in the last year oh it was so loud but see that's also a group of guys who we had we hadn't played together or apart from each other in a long time like some you know like when brad came in he, he hadn't played you know some rock and electric guitar with you know us for ever he's been so of course rough. you're gonna you're gonna crank it to eight or nine you know just to really oh yeah it. i mean absolutely for sure but yeah you also need to know when to step back and yeah. and, and one of the best things you can do in a jam especially when there are multiple guitars multiple drummers in this instance is not play unless you're the bass player or the drummer often you kind of have to keep the rhythm going but yeah. just stepping back and filling in the gaps is a totally viable way to contribute to a jam like yeah. that i think it comes down to ego for like a lot of people like i've played with people who like both uh neither person wanted to step back and play the rhythm part and like then you get two guys trying to solo at the same time and then not that that's bad, that can sound cool, but when it's like, we're just trying to do a simple, you know, four chord progression, we haven't even established like the rhythm yet, yeah, the groove, right. and it's like, two guys are already wanking <laughs> off. Yeah, it's like, dude, we get it, you know, you know how to play, but. And, and I would add on top of the beat less loud is maybe even, and I know this might be sacrilege, but maybe even turn your gain down a little bit too, because wow. the more things that are taking up space in the, in your room mix, the harder it's going to be to hear if you turn that gain down a little bit less harmonic content less interference with the cymbals and the low end of the drum end of the drums and the bass and all that good stuff yeah. just tweak tweak the gain back, back so just a touch i'm kind of gathering right now that basically we we've, we've said here and we can elaborate further but we have said that basically just be prepared with your gear and then also listen those are like the two main things yeah i think we're i think we're really right now just kind of figuring out what actively listening means in a jam situation yeah. it's like yeah. how do you how do you put that into action and part of it's sitting back part of it's coming with ideas when when they're needed i think another thing is is really just 
this might this might be like the most obvious thing but when the in between jams stop playing mm. like you know maybe you've got to tune up or figure something out for the next thing you want to play or whatever but the worst is when everybody's six people are playing different things in this cacophony cacophony on top of great use of the one word. another and it's and, and it just drives you insane it's, and it like kills the vibe that you were trying to establish with this fun time you're looking to have anyway yeah i was, I was and you're saying like between songs between though, right? songs yeah just stop playing if, especially if two people are trying to talk like and this goes back to listening you're obviously not paying attention to if two guys are trying to talk and maybe you're the drummer and you're just whacking away at your snare drum I mean, come on, man. Like, you know, like just try to be mindful and, and notice what everyone's doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when, and then when you do get back into the jam, don't just, it can be easy to get a, a little monotonous and maybe re- repetitive in jams. And, and there are ways to kind of ferry things along a little, a little bit, but also don't just change the riff or start playing a completely different thing mid jam because you're bored, because that's Ooh. just going to ruin it for everybody else who might be having a good time with what's going on. And, deeply discovering things about themselves man i i've done that so many times to people like it's just part of the learning process yeah but you weren't trying to be you weren't trying to be a d no 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 you were just trying to move things along and and you learn from those mistakes this is what we're doing we're teaching people from our mistakes for four more bars or whatever four more bars and then maybe try to get get their attention make a little eye contact like hey yo things are about to change it up yep i'm I'm going to that four here it comes again here's here's the c from the g i love it i love the four Try to try to try to offer something to the jam to the to the music creation experience that no one else in the room can, you know, mm. and that can that doesn't mean like it can mean don't you know if if there's a bass player and you're the guitar player don't turn on your sub octave whammy pedal and start trying to play the bass part. Oh, you're talking about sharing sonic space. I'm talking about sharing sonic space and I'm also ter- talking about sharing creative space. So maybe I, maybe we're jamming for a little bit and I can tell that X player, she can play some awesome down the neck cowboy chords and it's really taken up that thing. All right, well I'm going to go up into like the seventh or 12th position and start trying to do some inversions and stuff because that's complimenting what the other player, yeah. whatever she's naturally best at. Yeah. Try to, and, and you already said it and it's spot on it's the ego thing yeah what can what can you offer to this experience that's going to make it better for everybody not just yourself because you know it is a lot more fun to just shred sweep arpeggio licks all the time yeah but do you want to get invited back that's the question <laughs> that, is, that is the question and maybe you don't maybe you don't like the guys and you're kind of just you know honking around but well sophie is now interrupting oh, the she, is. she because she wanted to be invited she's back. she's our mascot I think she was just uh, she was taking a little afternoon nap, and now she's uh, she's strolling around. She's the most beautiful calico you ever did see, and uh, she runs this place. We should get some like uh, cats on amps. You follow them, I'm sure. Oh yeah, we should get some pictures with her and the guitars. I yeah, she actually her one of her new places to to reside while I'm in here working on stuff is uh, she she's about to do it. She's gonna pull this pedal board down. I um, would too if I was a cat. And then she's gonna get up on these cases and go sit on the amp over there. That's her new spot. If I was a cat, man, you stick those claws right into that rat fur on the side of those things. Oh, I mean, you can see what she's done to my pedal board. It's looking good. Sophie is perfect in all ways, except for the fact that she destroys my amps sometimes, which is why why I've learned to start just putting blankets and yeah. towels and such over them when I'm not using them, as you can see uh, with that one That's right a there. good pro tip. That's a pro tip. If you've got cats, 
and you've got cats with claws and you've got amps with tolex or uh, grill cloths on them just cover them up kitty can't scratch them anymore bada boom but she's worth it she's great she's 14 she's my senior lady she's super sweet the best thing about sophie is that she's so social and i call her my doorman because every time i come home she's greeting me at the door oh, she yeah. hears me it's amazing yeah it's an unconditional love cat hunks Aww. i might argue that having good rhythm in a jam is more important than having extensive harmonic knowledge i totally agree with you well you're a bass player i know and that's <laughs> that's what's worked for me that's what's kept me around man why do you why do you agree with me um it, well with bass especially you know i could speak for that it's you know like i like i was saying before if you just want to stay on that c or stay on that open e and you got to know where to go a little bit but man if you can lock in with that kick drum on the drummer you'll always have a gig you know that's just how do you do that i mean is it is it don't think about Rep it repetition yeah i think i think you need to i think you need to be able to tap your foot while you're playing uh, that's a that's up for debate i don't really do that although i do bob my head like a freaking ostrich right, you do. yeah you do, you do some roostering yeah roostering big time some i so yeah some people might argue it's a foot but if you can get your body involved in the rhythm in yeah. some way that's going to translate to what you produce on your yeah instrument. don't just be a scarecrow i've I've have seen, you played I've with seen, people who have ever I've just seen a few people that can do that. Let me ask you this. Is there anybody like in the rock world who just literally stands there and doesn't like move even like a toe tap or a bow or a knee bend or anything? Who's like known for that? I'm sure some, some sort of performance artist situation has done this. Yeah. I'm sure they're out there, but I can't, I mean, I can't really think of it. Maybe it's just not the artists I listen to, but every, you know, you know what did come to mind? Who? the uh ian anderson flute flamingo that he would do as the front man of jethro tull oh. where he'd like stand with the with it <laughs> on one leg with like the other leg sort of in the crook his foot yeah in the, crook of the knee and he'd stand like a flamingo yeah that's what that but that's i mean I, you can't tap your toe when you're doing that but no. he was also seeing and playing flute it's unbelievable being ian anderson what a great reference i can't think of any other ones no um no, so yeah, so I think it's important to move in some way. I mean, you know, and and look, if you're young and, and you're just starting out, or if you're old and you're just starting out, um, definitely, you know, practice that. Um, you know, even if you're a guitar player, not a bass player, um, you know, locking in with the kick drum is always the safe way to go. You know, if you have a decent drummer or if you're playing with your metronome at home, you know, always just um, really try not to think about it, but really lock in and lock in with that click. How do you, how do you, I know it might just be kind of a, nature or second nature at this point but like how do you how would you how would you tell someone to actively lock in with a kick drum well i mean if do you want to get down to like the you know the one two three four what however you best think i mean yeah if you're a counter like it. some people count when they play i i personally don't but you know if if you're like you know what was it like the the james brown one you know, it's like one, two, three, four, one, two. Oh, three. okay. So Bootsy Collins in this yeah. interview said, like, if you're always, if you always hit when that one hits, like no matter what, you can do whatever you want in between. And that was obviously for like James Brown and that style of music and all that. But it, it really works with a lot of different styles. Dude, that's, to that's, I, that totally resonates with me. I was just talking about a very similar concept with our buddy Cappy because he's, you know, he played, he's played guitar for a long time, but never really 
practiced a lot and he's starting to take it a little more seriously now and, and him and i were jamming a bit and that was kind of the main thing i was like no matter what you've got to do if you've got to leave that chord on the three do it if you but you, you've got to hit the one on time Every and that's time. i i don't think i've ever heard it referred to as a james brown one like that that's yeah really well that's what bootsy called it when yeah. you said that i was thinking of the like give me 27 times bam, 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 thing that, exactly. that, that whole deal and you'll hear it those in, are all one you'll hear really it, when it comes yeah down to it. you'll hear it in all of his music man it's um yeah on those hits obviously i don't <laughs> by the way they'd probably be fired if they didn't hit on on, every, on that one i think that's why he talked about it in the interview he's like because he came in later in that band bootsy collins right and he was like, man, like, I just knew. I called it the James Round 1 because he, he would fire me literally if I, if I wasn't hitting that. <laughs> but I think, I mean, really, I don't know if you have any anything else to add to this. I think we've kind of covered most of it. But really, I, I all of this is in an aim of having fun. Yeah. You know, you don't want to, it's not fun to show up and not, have your gear guitar work and have to stressing about that or not have anything to add or feel like you're out of place or whatever like this is all about having fun so it's while we're probably presenting in a, in a way that sounds like work it's yeah. really just preparation for the fun times yeah and i was gonna say like if you know and if you're like you know a newer guy listening to this and you want and maybe you have a friend you know who plays drums or if you play drums and you have a friend who plays guitar and you guys just want to jam don't worry about this entire conversation we had. Like as long as you get there with your instrument and you make some noise and you have fun, that's really what's going to, that's what's going to kick the whole thing off. Yeah, absolutely. None of this is gospel. And mm -hmm. these are just some things that we might've picked up on over having years of bad jams, Yeah, but it's all about having that fun, good time. Those semi pro tips, right? And you know what, you know what actually sounds kind of fun to me? What's that? We talked about those acoustic guitars and, um, we have them here. Mm -hmm. Why don't we, why don't we close this one out by just playing them a little bit? Yeah, that'd be great. Let's do it. First up, the Gibson. Next up, we've got the Martin. 